You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. So today we are starting a series called Milestones. And milestones in our lives typically are things like graduations or weddings or uh, baby births or things like that. They're milestones in our lives, things that we will remember. But the word milestone comes from this idea the Roman Empire built roads all over the known world, all over their empire to transport goods and people more effectively. And they were known for their Roman roads. And one of the things that they did on those roads is they would put mile markers down. So every mile they would have a stone marker. It was a small obelisk that would mark where they were at. So the person that was traveling would know how far they had come and how far to their destination. And it was a good way for them to understand the road that they were on. And for us, there's a similar road that we are on, that it's important for us to understand how far God has brought us and how far God is taking us as well. Many people that come to Summit, uh, it's, it's easy to overlook the fact that our church is as old as it is. A lot of people will say things like, oh, Mel, did you start the church? I'm like, I did not. It's 75 years old. I'm old, but I'm not that old. Um, I did not start the church. And so we missed the fact that there was a lot of life happening before I ever got here. There were a lot of good things happening. And so what we wanna do is celebrate where God has brought us from and where God is taking us to. And we're gonna, we're gonna do that during this series. Um, and in a couple of weeks, on the 26th, that's a Saturday night, we're gonna be having our 75th anniversary celebration in this room. And uh, if you'd care to join us, we'd love for you to be here. We're gonna stream that as well. And we're gonna have our normal sun Sunday morning services that weekend. But this is just a way for us to celebrate what God has done and what God is doing. Now, a parallel track to that is during this series, we're gonna be looking at the church in Acts. So the, the first century church that, that God started, the birth of the church, what did that look like? Because there's some parallels between the first century church and what God has started and what God has been doing here at Summit over the last 75 years. So I'm excited about sharing that with you and walking together with you through that. And even both here in Indiana and Blairsville, we've got in our lobby a... Uh, a place set up that you can find. You may maybe have noticed that there's a table in our lobby here with some pictures, some old pictures. And that is uh, our old communion table from our original building over on Church Street. And it's pictures of construction of this building and some pictures from our old building. Uh, and the same thing is true in Blairsville. In Blairsville, they've got a... Um, They've got a, a pew set up in the lobby and they've got uh, some pictures set up just to remind us of where we have come from and where God has brought us. So like I said, we're gonna be looking at the book of Acts and you can't talk about the book of Acts without talking about the Holy Spirit and who he is. And so uh, I wanna give you a couple resources for uh, helping you explore who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in our life. There's a few books that have impacted me. And if you're interested, I'll mention these again, but uh, there are some books I'll mention right now. The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. The Holy Spirit by John Bevere. And some of you know Lisa Bevere was with us for She Is a couple years ago. And uh, this is her husband, John. The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And Practicing the Power 
by Sam Storms. These are all great resources. If you'd like uh, to go back and listen to one of my former messages, back in November of 2021, I preached a series called Minimized on who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. I think that would be really helpful. You can find that in our archives, either the audio archives or the video archives, if you'd be interested in that. So let me jump in to Acts chapter one today. Verse one says this, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So Luke is writing this. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. Uh, About a quarter of all the New Testament was written by this man. And Luke was a physician. He um, He traveled with Paul. He was a compatriot of Paul's. And he wrote the book of Acts to this man named Theophilus. Now, it's not just to him, it's for us as well, but we only see Theophilus' name twice in Scripture, and it's at the beginning of the book of Luke, and it's at the beginning of the book of Acts, because Luke wrote these to him, and many scholars believe this might have been one book written originally, but it was separated later. But we, he's writing this to help him, help him understand the life of Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus did. But Jesus' story doesn't end when he ascends into heaven. His story continues. And so he's explaining that that's what happened. So we'll pick it up in verse three. It says, during his 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift uh, that he has promised. As I told you before, John uh, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So verse four, Jesus says, hey, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. What he's referring to is what's recorded in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. So in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. He knows what's coming, and he's trying to prepare his disciples for this moment. And he's telling them about the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit's gonna be here. He's gonna be an advocate and a comforter for you. And it's important that I go so he can come. So, it's impo- so he's telling them this stuff, but they don't get it. They don't understand. And now after the fact, he's saying, hey, I'm gonna go. And when I do, you need to go wait in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, the upper room was, um, it was the place where Jesus and his disciples had their last supper is what history records. And so it was the place that they would gather from time to time. So he reminds them, hey, I told you about this before. This is what you need to do. This is the promised gift that God has for you. Then in verse five, he says, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus in this moment makes this delineation between these two baptisms. He says, there's a baptism of water that, that John practiced, but then there's a baptism in the spirit as well. Now, if you didn't grow up in the tradition I grew up in, when you hear baptized in the Holy Spirit, you might get a little nervous. Maybe you grew up in a different faith backgrounds. Maybe you didn't at all. Maybe you're like, I don't even know what this means. That's cool. Um, But here's the thing, Um, you don't need to be nervous. I'm not gonna make you do anything today. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything that that is wild or uncomfortable. So I just want you to be at ease. Can we all just take a deep breath together? Is that okay? (laughs) Some of you did, you're like, oh, okay, good. 
So let me walk through this. What I want to do today is just walk through this systematically, help you understand a little bit better of who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack this together and walk through it together. So here's an important thing we need to discuss. Uh, the word baptize in the Greek is used several different times. And it was hard to understand exactly what it meant um, because there's two Greek words for baptize. It's bapto and baptizo. And baptizo is this great word. It means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge. So think about like a, a ship that sinks at sea and it is left. Uh, it, it, it gets sub, submerged in the water and it's never retrieved. Uh, it begins to change. The, the definition I like is to overwhelm. And so we need to understand the difference between bapto and baptizo. And there's this great piece of literature that, that historians have discovered. It was written around 200 BC by a man who was a Greek poet and a physician. And they discovered some of his writings where he actually recorded the, the recipe for pickles. And this is important because he uses both of these words in this recipe. So he said, in order to make a pickle, a vegetable should be first dipped into boiling water, and that's babto. It's dipped into boiling water, then baptized in the vinegar solution, and that is baptizo. Now, this is important because both verbs concern the immersion of vegetables in a solution, but the first is temporary and the second acts, act of baptizing acts as a, a permanent change to the vegetable. And, and this is what God wants for us. When Jesus says, hey, John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, he says you are going to be baptizo. You're gonna be changed. See, I don't know about you, um, when I moved to this area from Oklahoma, the first time I ordered a salad, I ordered a salad and they come out with like an order of fries on top of it. Has anybody experienced that? I'm like, what in the world is going on here? I'm trying to eat healthy and you bring me an order of fries on my salad. And that was the moment I knew God was calling me to Western Pennsylvania. I'm like, yes, Lord, if this is what health food is, I'm all about it, right? But here's the thing, there are things you would expect and there is a big difference between cucumbers and pickles, right? If you ordered a salad and they brought you hamburger pickles and it was all over your salad, you'd be like, hey, wait a second, there's something wrong with this. I'm not supposed to have pickles on this. And they said, no, no, that's cucumbers. You'd say, no, that's pickles, right? Pickles don't belong on salads. If you ordered a hamburger, and they brought your hamburger out and they had cucumbers on your hamburger. You'd say, wait a second, I, I, I'm not trying to eat healthy. I don't want this rabbit food on my hamburger, right? There's clearly a problem. And they said, no, 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 that's a pickle. You'd say, no, it is a cucumber. Cucumbers and pickles are different. They are not the same thing. The difference is one has been immersed. One has been submerged. One has been baptized. And it makes it different. And what God wants for us and what Jesus is inviting us into is a baptism where we are transformed fundamentally. It is different than our conversion experience. It's something else. It's something that takes us deeper and further. And, and really what Jesus is inviting into is, a, is an opportunity for our, our spirits to be immersed 
in the Holy Spirit. This is what he wants for us. Verse six says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? I love that question. Has the time come for you to restore Israel, to overthrow the Romans is what they're saying, and restore our kingdom? They said our, did you notice that? They've got some ownership in that. Um, Kim got replaced the vehicle that was lost in the accident. We got a, a new car this last week. And it was funny because Emma said, I like our new car. I was like, our new car? Are you making some payments on this? <laughs> You're gonna wanna drive it, but are you helping kick in any? I don't think you are. So because of that, it is not our car. It is mom and my car. We are paying for it. You get to ride in it sometimes, right? She misunderstood. She thought she was a partial owner. She is not. And the disciples, they said, our kingdom. And the reason they said that is because they still had this idea that the Romans were gonna be overthrown and that they would have seats of power. This is why they argued about who's gonna be on your right hand and your left hand when you're the king. Because they were looking for authority. They were looking for power. And listen to what Jesus says in verse seven. He said, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, oh, you want power? I got good news for you. You're gonna get power. It's not the power you're looking for. This power is going to help you share my good news, my gospel, wherever you go. In fact, it's going to take you to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The, the power that Jesus gives us when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit is a power that's deeply practical, deeply functional, and it's intended to advance his kingdom. This is what he's after. It says, after saying this, he was taken into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Now, this is a side note. I just feel like this was a really awkward moment probably. Have you ever had somebody say, oh, you need to listen to this song? And you're like, okay, I will. And they're like, no, no, we're gonna listen to it now. And they put the song on and it's like four and a half minutes of awkwardness of like, mm, mm, good, yeah. (laughs) And about 30 seconds in, you're ready to go, okay, I can listen to this later, but you don't wanna be rude to, right? I feel like this is what it might've been a little bit like, like Jesus, he starts to ascend into heaven, he's fading away and he's making eye contact with the disciples. They're like, okay, do we, do we have to wait till he's gone? Or, and they're like getting their stuff. You can't do that. He's still looking at us. Oh, okay. And he's just, they're watching and waiting like, okay, all right. Okay, no, 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 I can still see him. There he is, yep, in the cloud. Yeah, okay, yeah, there he is. Just dragging this moment on a little longer, a little longer. I don't know what it looked like, but this is what I'm imagining. Jesus ascends into heaven after he gives them this instruction. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you. So let me fast forward to chapter two, verse one. Chapter two says this, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So the word Pentecostal that 
Um, our church would be considered a Pentecostal church because we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, but the word Pentecostal comes from the word Pentecost. And Pentecost was a feast that was celebrated by the Jewish people. And this was a feast that fell 50 days after Passover. And it was one of the most widely celebrated of the Jewish feasts because it had an optimal travel season. So it was the best time of year to travel, and it was the celebration of the first fruits of the grain harvest. And so this was one of the biggest festivals in Jerusalem because people from all over the, the known world would come to Jerusalem to celebrate this, uh, this celebration, this harvest, this harvest feast. And so they would come from everywhere, and they wouldn't come for a day or two. They would come and stay for weeks and they would just live, they would be there, they would do their thing, they would see family and friends. It was a big occasion. And so people would come from all over. And so this is, this is the day that this was happening. On the day of Pentecost, it says all the believers, and there weren't a ton at that time, but all the believers were meeting together in one place. They were together. And this is, a, this is an important word, together. We've talked about it some in the past and we'll, we'll talk more about it in a couple of weeks, but together is important. Together, this word in the Greek is a compound word and it's homothumadon. And homothumadon means this compound word to, to rush along in unity. So we are rushing along, we're advancing quickly together is what it means. And it's really a powerful word. Again, we're gonna explore it more in a couple of weeks, but I want you to imagine um, all the, on the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were together. And so it's not just that they were physically present in the room. Um, I've talked about this before. I, I, think about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know not every person in here is a Steelers fan, but we'll pray for you. It'll be okay. Um, <laughs> but if you've ever been to a Steelers game, I've been to some Steelers games. And it's an interesting place to go because you've got all these people and they're very, very, very different people. There are people of every socioeconomic class, very different ethnicities, uh, races, genders, uh, people of all kinds are gathered together and they're all wearing gold and black. And people are tailgating before the games. And during the game, people come in and they are gathered and there are 60,000 people in, no, I can't do it, Heinz Field. <laughs> Let's be honest, it's not Akrasher Stadium, it's Heinz Field. 60,000 people at Heinz Field gathered together for one singular purpose. All these different people have different backgrounds and ideas, but what's brought them together is their affection for the Pittsburgh Steelers, their desire to see the Steelers win and conquer the enemy on this day. And it's amazing what happens. Kenny Pickett rolls out and he throws a touchdown pass and people go berserk. And you've got grown men who look like they could be on the field. They have their whole bodies painted and they are wearing funny hats and different things. They don't care because they're supporting their team and they're sitting next to somebody they've never met in their entire life. But when their team scores, they will jump up and down and hug each other as if they are long lost brothers embracing for the first time, right? They're squealing like little girls. Woo! They're high-fiving strangers. Why? Homothumadon. It's the same spirit. It's the same passion. This, 
This one thing has united these very, very, very different people. This one desire, this one affection. And this is what was going on in the upper room that day. That, that day on Pentecost, these people have come together and they are very different. They have people, if this was today, people that are very far left Democrats and people that are very far right Republicans and everybody in between, black people, white people, Asian people, everybody in between, all these kinds of people coming together is what it would look like. And they were coming together for a singular purpose and it's to worship Jesus, to wait on the Holy Spirit. That's what they were doing. Homothumadon. They were together in one place. And what we see is this, that there was the right people in the right place at the right time. And they had to wait seven to 10 days, depending on how you count it. They had to wait at least a week in this room for the spirit to show up for the right timing. And I'm telling you, God's timing is perfect timing. You pray for things and God doesn't show up when you think he should, but he shows up when he knows he should. It's hard for us, but God's timing is right. It's God's people in God's place at God's time. Let me move on, verse two. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So this is the part where people start to disconnect. Because they're like, wait, what was that? The, speaking in other languages? Pass. It's funny because we don't mind the part where the tongues of fire rested on them. We're cool with that part. It's the part where we go, um, no thanks to the uh, unknown languages thing. I'm good. So I want to put you at ease. I'm not going to make you do anything. In fact, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you do anything. Did you know that? He doesn't. Um, cause I'll talk to people and they'll say, okay, Mel, I want more of God, but I don't want to do anything weird. And I've got great news for you. You ready? God won't make you do anything weird. Did you know that? He won't. The Holy Spirit's not weird. The Holy Spirit is God. Okay. He's part of the Trinity. He's the triune God. So the Holy Spirit isn't weird and he's not going to make you act weird. I, I used to be a youth pastor years ago. And when I was a youth pastor, I had kids in my youth group that were homeschooled and they were weird. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And I thought homeschool makes kids weird. We're never gonna homeschool our kids. And you know what I found out? Homeschool doesn't make kids weird. Weird parents make kids weird. <laughs> if you see a weird kid, they probably have a weird parent. It's not homeschool's fault. Homeschool gets blamed. It's not homeschool, it's weird parents. <laughs> their weirdness is carried in their genetics, apparently. I don't know how that works. But I used to think it was homeschool. No, it's not. There are some perfectly normal kids that get homeschooled. And if you're homeschooling today, my prayer is you're not a weird parent, so. <laughs> but here's the thing, people think that anything to do with the Holy Spirit is weird. And I wanna help you, it's not. If you've seen something weird relating to the Holy Spirit, it's because people are weird. What scripture says is the, the, the pro, spirit of the, sub, I'm sorry, let me back up. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So what that means is the Holy Spirit doesn't make us do anything we don't wanna do. So if you see people acting weird, it's because they're weird. 
It's not the Holy Spirit's fault. Do not blame the Holy Spirit. And even if you look at this passage, it said everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability and they began to speak. They were working in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't take over their body, didn't possess them and make them do anything. They began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. We, we work in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't make us do anything. So if you don't wanna do anything weird, I've got great news. You're not gonna, it'll be just fine. The Holy Spirit won't make you do anything. He only works in partnership with us. That's it. So they begin to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And I want you to understand this too. When the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what he wants us to do, it is deeply practical and functional. It serves a function. It serves a practical use in our lives. It's not just to give us goosebumps and make us feel good. Like, whoo, I feel good. Nope, that's not what it's about. It's about propelling the glory of God forward, advancing the kingdom of God. And if it doesn't advance the kingdom of God one way or the other, it's probably not from the Holy Spirit. Let me move on, verse five. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. They were there because of Pentecost. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So they hear this commotion. So as this spills out of the upper room into the streets, people, there's a commotion. People are coming to see what this is about. Then verse seven says, they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from, are all from Galilee. They're uneducated is what they were saying. So they don't, They haven't learned these languages is what they're saying. It says, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here are the the Parthians, or here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So people begin speaking in these unknown languages and they are preaching the gospel to people in languages that they've never learned before. So I took two years of Spanish in high school and I can ask you where the bathroom is. That's about it. And if, if all of a sudden I started preaching in Spanish fluently, I would, have to be, I would have to say, okay, God, you're up to something, right? God, you're doing something I can't do on my own. Not only would I do that, but the people that were hearing me speak Spanish, that were hearing the gospel would have to go, okay, what is going on here? God is up to something in this moment. And what we see is this. I believe there's two primary reasons that the Spirit of God empowers us. The gifts of the Spirit are given primarily for these two reasons. The first is this, to encourage the church. Again, if that was me, I'd be able to go, oh my gosh, God, you really are God. You really are good if you're using me in this way. I see that I can't do this, but you can. It's gonna be an encouragement to me, to the body. But then the second thing is it's going to draw unbelievers, See, the Holy Spirit, his job is to advance the glory of God, to reveal the glory of God to people. And 
<sighs> unbelievers should be attracted to that. I, I, there are times when unbelievers are repelled. Sometimes that's because we're just doing things in our flesh. It's not of the spirit, it's just us being weird, quite frankly. But this is why whenever the spirit of God shows up, uh, whenever the angel of the Lord shows up in, the, in scripture, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't freak out. This isn't normal for you, okay? But this is good. That's what they say. And so God wants to do something in us and through us, and he wants to encourage the body of believers. He wants to encourage us. He wants to draw unbelievers to him. He wants to reveal his glory through us, through his Holy Spirit. So these people were perplexed. What can this mean? They were being drawn to God in this moment. But just because that happened doesn't mean everybody will. Because the very next verse, verse 13 says this, but others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. They're just drunk. That's how they learned that unknown language. <laughs> I've never been drunk. I've never drank alcohol. I don't know how that works if you get drunk and all of a sudden you master a language you've never learned before, but that's what happened apparently. And when God works in your life, whenever you go deeper, whenever you begin to say, Jesus, I want everything you've got for me. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life. Whatever you wanna do, I invite you into it. I'm gonna get out of the way. There are gonna be people who go, nah, that's weird. No, thank you. No, there's other ways to explain what God's doing in your life. There's gonna be people like that. Maybe some of you are like that. Even as I'm talking through this, you're already going, pass, not interested. That's okay. Uh, did you know when we get to heaven, there aren't gonna be sections? Um, there's not like a Baptist section and a Pentecostal section and a Catholic section. There's not a section for people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and people that haven't. It's not like, you know, you buy tickets for a concert and you pay good money for the close seats and it's like, oh, you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've got seats for you up in section 500, right? That's not how that works. So if you say, I'm not interested, okay, that's fine. You're leaving something on the table. You're not living in the fullness of, of God and his promises for you and for your family and for the people around you. That's a decision you can make, just like the people in Scripture. So maybe you're asking a question like this one. No, I was taught that Holy Spirit is not for today. Is it for today? See, there are churches that teach, um, and the academic word for this would be cessationists. And what it means is that the, the power of God ceased, or the, the move of the Holy Spirit ceased at some point, that we don't need it for today, that it was important for the first century church in the book of Acts because they needed the miracles, they needed the signs and wonders, they needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to propel the gospel forward and to be a catalyst for what God's doing in the world even today. It's carried the church forward. And so I will tell you, we don't believe that. As a church, as a congregation, we believe that if it's in the Bible, it is for us today. And one of the proof texts that a lot of cessationists will use actually comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church about the proper use of the gifts of the Spirit in corporate worship settings. So like in settings like this, what should that look like? How should we function with the Holy Spirit? And sandwiched in the middle of that is chapter 13. And you might 
be familiar with chapter 13 because you've been to a wedding. And in a wedding, they'll read and they've got the music playing and they'll say, love is, love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle. Like they'll go through the love chapter together. But did you know that's not even written about marriage or romantic love? It's written in the context of church. Here's how we love each other. Because it was contentious and people were fighting over which gifts of the spirit were the most important. And then now it's my turn to exercise my gifts of the spirit. And finally, Paul says, you people, Stop it. And so he's telling them, here's how you should function in the church. And in the middle of this, he says, you need to learn how to love each other really well. You need to love each other more than you love your gifts. That's what he's talking about. And so it's in this context that he says this in verse eight of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now in part, or now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So again, what cessationists would say is, hey, the perfect has come, because we have the word of God. Because we have the word of God, we don't need signs and wonders. We don't need a move of God in the Holy Spirit. We're good as far as that goes. We don't need the supernatural in that way. We've got the word of God. And there's some truth to that. The word of God is his perfect word for us. It should be our anchor for our lives, our, our guidebook for our lives. It should be our North Star for us. But what they say is, it says when the perfect comes, partial will pass away. So, hey, the perfect has come, so we don't need tongues. We don't need prophecy. We don't need this stuff. And I believe what Paul's talking about in this passage, when he talks about the perfect, typically in the context he uses it in other passages, he's talking about heaven because he talks about us being made perfect in Christ Jesus. And he's talking about us being made fully mature. And it is clear according to his theology that he believes we will not be fully mature until we get to heaven. And so at this point, when he says the perfect has come, he's talking about heaven. When the perfect comes, we won't need to prophesy. Did you know when we get to heaven, prophecy will be unnecessary? Because we'll be in heaven. Did you know when we get to heaven, healing will be unnecessary? Because we're gonna have perfect bodies. And I know what some of you are thinking, Mel, you already have a perfect body. Well, I know. <laughs> I just beat you to it. Uh, some of you are gonna have to wait to heaven. I got it here on earth. I can't tell you. I'm sorry. we won't need it. It'll be unnecessary. It won't be necessary for us to have a word of knowledge or tongues. We won't need it in heaven. See, it will be passing away. So as the question is, is it for today? I would say absolutely. Because from my perspective, the world we live in today has never been in greater need of powerful proclamations of the goodness of God, has never been in greater need of a powerful move of his spirit through supernatural signs and wonders and healings and moves of God. Our world needs it more today than ever before. So is it for today? Absolutely it is. Another question would be, is this for me? And I would say resoundingly yes. If you read just a little further down, we'll actually get to this next week in Acts chapter two, verse 37. 
Peter preaches this powerful message to the people that are gathered around after they say, hey, you're, you're preaching to us in languages that we have from our, from our homes. So they're perplexed by this. And Peter just preaches them the gospel. And in verse 37, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All those who have been called by the Lord, our God. He said, it's for you, for your kids, and for those that are far away. There's nobody excluded from this invitation. He said, it's for everybody. Salvation is for everyone. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is for everyone. It's for you. Now, I said earlier, we're not gonna give you the full court press. That's not what we do. We're low pressure around here at Summit Church. I wanna close with this, this passage. It's from 2 Corinthians. At the end of Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthian church, he finishes with this line, with this statement. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This was his sign off. This is what he said to finish this statement, to finish his letter to the Corinthians. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, we understand the importance of the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God, but then he says the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And what he's talking about is friendship. And he's not talking about just any friendship. He's talking about intimate friendship. In fact, the Greek word here is koinonia. And this is the word that uh, is used many times for, for sexual intimacy in the context of marriage. Now, I don't wanna get weird, but what he's saying is, I want you to be intimately, intimate friends with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be best friends with the Holy Spirit. This is the last thing he says to the Corinthian church. Hey, I want you to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and know the love of God. I want this to abound in your life, but I want you to be best friends with the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I'm doing today. I'm inviting you in the same way that Paul did, in the same way that Jesus did, I'm inviting you into a friendship. This isn't just a, oh, an experience. You don't have to be freaked out about something being weird. The Holy Spirit's not weird. He, he wants to be your best friend. He wants to know you and walk with you. He wants to empower you in your life. He wants to help you be a catalyst for kingdom advancement. He wants to make you better, your family better. He wants to be your best friend. So the question is, will you allow him to be your best friend? So here's what I wanna do. Over the next few weeks, I want you just to have an open heart and an open mind. And I want you to say, God, whatever you've got for me. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life, whatever that looks like, I'm open. Because what we're really talking about is going deeper with God. This is what spurred the first century church on. And this is what I think God wants for us today. So in just a minute, um, our prayer team's gonna be up here at the front of this room, both here and in Blairsville. And we'd be delighted to pray for you for the, the infilling, the baptism, the baptizo of the Holy Spirit, for you to be immersed, submerged, overwhelmed by his spirit. And if today you decide, I don't wanna do that today, I'm a little uncomfortable, that's okay. 
Will you at least be open to say, God, whatever you've got for me, I'm open to that? We've got some resources. One of those resources looks just like this one. Um, and it's just our doctrine and what we teach and what we believe about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And this should be available at the Info Center, both here and in Blairsville. And they're also available at the front of this room on either side of this platform on our speakers. Feel free to grab one of these before you go. We'd love to pray for you and pray with you about this. Uh, we'd love for you just to intercede and say, God, what do you have to say for us? I'd love for you to pray uh, this week about, God, what would you have for me? I'd love for you to read John 14, 15, and 16 and see what Jesus said about who the Holy Spirit is. I'd love for you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 to see what Paul says it should look like in our church. I think this will give you a better understanding and awareness of what God's got for us. Hey, right now I'm turning it over to our host there in Blairsville. They're gonna close out our time, give you a chance to respond. I love you guys more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. You know, Peter, he gives an invitation to the people that are there and he said, they said, what, what, what must we do? And he said, hey, you've gotta repent. You gotta turn away. You gotta make Jesus your Lord, surrender your life to him. And this is the first step in this journey. And so I wanna give you an opportunity to do that today. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes all over this place. God, we thank you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. And, and we just ask that you would move in this place, that you would draw people that are far from you today, draw people that maybe have walked away from you today. Help them see your goodness. I pray that you would gently restore them to relationship, bring them back to the family. God, I pray for those that have never really surrendered their lives to you. I pray today would be the day. I pray as they do, God, there would be a party in heaven over it. Lord, I pray for those that are are struggling with this invitation today to, to go deeper with you and to experience everything you've got for us, to be empowered to walk in your spirit. So God, I pray today, Lord, you would give us a hunger to learn more and know more and go deeper with you. God, thank you for your goodness. Speak into this place, move in us, we pray. Now with nobody looking around, your head bowed, your eyes closed. If you'd say to me today, Mel, I know I'm not walking with God. I know I'm not in a relationship, but I wanna be. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus today and to his lordship. I'd love to pray for you. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, would you put your hand up real high? If you'd say, I, I, I'm on a path I shouldn't be on. Yeah, thank you, sir. I see you on my left. Who else? Yeah, thank you. Thank you up in the balcony. Who else? Yeah, thank you on my right. I see a couple of hands. Praise God. Anyone else? You say, today's my day. I've been on the wrong path and I'm changing directions today. Surrendering my life to Jesus. Yeah, thank you. I see you up in the balcony. Awesome. You can put your hand down, man. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So we're gonna pray a prayer together today out loud. We're gonna confess this with our mouths. And I'm gonna give you the words to say, but this isn't my prayer. You're praying this from your heart to God. So I want everybody in this place to pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus your one and only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is surrendered to you. Use me for your glory and help me never go back to my old life and my old ways. But from now on, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, Scripture says you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And our team would love to help you take the next step in your faith journey um, by simply, by you simply filling out the card in the seat back in front of you. And then you can take it to our next step table out in the lobby when we finish here in just a moment. If you'd prefer, you can simply text Summit PA to the number 94,000 and select the prompt that says salvation. Let us know about it that way. And then stop by our info center, I mean, our, our next step table and let our team talk to you and pray with you. They're gonna help you take the next step. They're gonna give you some resources. So please take advantage of that. We want to help you grow in your faith. Here's what's gonna happen now. The team's gonna lead us one final song. We're gonna sing this last song together. And while we're doing that, I wanna encourage you, open up your heart to God and say, God, whatever you've got for me, I'm here, I'm open, I'm surrendered to you. Um, he'll speak to you, he'll give you direction. If you'd like us to pray for you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, our team's available. We'd love to pray for you today before you leave. Uh, if you need any prayer for any other reason at all, our team's available and we'd be delighted to pray for you before you go. So make your way out of your seat as we begin to sing here in just a moment. Let our team pray for you. And as always, we got resources available. We can't wait to see what God's gonna do in your life. Stand to your feet all over the room. Let's worship together one more time before we go today, guys. I love you more than you know, and I am so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have an awesome day. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.